listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can I give a shout for King Jesus? Amen. He has risen. That's right. That's right. Hey, it's, it's so great to, to see you guys tonight. I said it last week. We're another week closer to the end of the semester. You guys can do it. it may require to drop some classes to do it, but that's okay. We don't have to talk about that right now. But you can do it. I, or just fell all together. That's fine. But we can do it. We can, we can make it to May. I promise. I, I believe in you. Um, hey, some of you are like, real talk, bro, I may have to drop that class. Um, hey, just raise your hand. Um, not seeking for affirmation, but we've we kind of been walking through this Follow Me series, reading some pretty challenging words of Jesus. How many of you, I'm raising my hand included, have felt a little bit challenged by Jesus' words about following him in the past couple of weeks? Yeah, I, I, I have too. Um, and, and so the first week we kind of talked about what does it actually mean to follow Jesus? We looked at his plain invitation that this involves denying yourself, taking up your cross and following him. If you were not there for that, I encourage you to go listen to our podcast because I can't preach that same sermon again tonight. But those words have a lot of meaning and it's very important that we know what Jesus is saying. And, and then we get into week two and not only what does it mean, but wait a minute, hold on, why follow him? He's asking me to give up my life for him. Why should we do that? And then uh, the basic answer is, is because by grace we have been saved. He's saved us, not so that we could be like, okay, cool, check, we're good, that, but that we might follow him in obedience to his glory. And then last week what we really looked at is, okay, we have all these Jesus followers. They know what that looks like and they know why. What does a Jesus following church look like? And, and the word we really landed on is Jesus followers are devoted they're devoted to God and they're devoted to his church. And that looks like a lot of different things, but the simplicity of just Acts chapter two, verse 42 through 47, we walk through being devoted to the, the teaching of, biblical, of, of the Bible. We walk through what fellowship looked like and being devoted to prayer and, and evangelism and, and, and being generous with all of our things so that we are not just mere acquaintances on Sunday, but the reality is that we're brothers and sisters and that we, as, we following, as we're following Jesus, excuse me, we are devoted to Jesus and to his church, our brothers and sisters. Amen? Now track with me. So very challenging series. Um, and as we end it tonight, just a little sneak peek for you, we're going to be uh, walking through uh, several different places in the Psalms all the way up to the end of the semester. Uh, very methodically planned as a lot of us are gonna be in high stress and kind of just longings. And some of the songs say, how long, O Lord? And some of you are like, how long, O Lord, does this semester last? Like, how can it? And so very intentional there of, of what the Psalms can kind of uh, provide for us in terms of just seeing uh, God and his love and his provision over our lives. So that's where we're going after this week. Um, I remember several different key times in my life. Um, there were maybe events or, or seasons or something that I was really excited for in the future that I just knew when that thing happened, my life was gonna get better, it was gonna get easier, all, all those things. I think one of the first ones that I thought of is I just, when I was about, I don't know, nine, 10 years old, I just couldn't wait um, to get a pair of rollerblades and go out to a skate park and just kill it. Okay, now, bear in mind, um, 
I, I am by no means, I've never been called a small person, okay? Uh, but Cole, as he has matured, has at least put on some type of muscle uh, somewhat, I'm not looking for affirmation, but has kind of shaped up a little bit and not, not nine, 10 year old Cole, and that was just pudgy Cole, you know, just kind of like chubby Cole. And so, you're, so this chubby little nine, 10 year old wants to put on rollerblades and go to a skate park. And so if anyone knew that that was happening, you could sell tickets for about $50 each to watch what would ensue. Um, and, and so of course, um, I get rollerblades. And if you've ever been to a skate park, you know that it's not just like normal concrete, like it is very smooth and like those wheels are moving, they're churning. I wasn't ready for that type of speed. And so here I am, my mommy brought me to the skate park. She's walking behind me, but I would go straight in the skate park, got my rollerblades on, and I'm kind of wheeling over. Apparently this is what wheeling looks like, I'm wheeling over. I kind of jump into this like half pipe little thing, just, just about to freaking Tony Hawk it, you know what I'm saying? And like I get in and I go up and then I come down, but I wasn't facing this direction. I went straight back down, it actually stayed up, and then bam, just like planted. And I'm like crying, and like there's a dent in the half pipe because I'm so fat, and then the impact of, of it hitting, and it was just bad. Like, um, I'll let you decide at the end of this what part of that's believable. Um, most of it's true. Um, and so I'm crying, I, I can barely, because now I'm stuck and it, you need to be able to skate. So I can't even get out of the thing. Like some other guys have to help me get out of it I don't have, and, and kind of over to cry to my mommy and we leave. And I decided I'm never gonna skate ever again. Um, and, and I didn't, even when I see rollerblades, I get like some trauma, you know, like it's gonna be okay, it's gonna be okay. Um, <laughs> I can think of a lot of other things that, man, I, like I was, I was looking forward to that so much. Like us gonna be so cool and like, Totally disappointed. It was way harder than I ever could have imagined. And I think about, um, and being an eighth grader, couldn't wait to go to high school. Being uh, a senior, couldn't wait to go to college. It's like, man, my life is gonna get so much better. I'm gonna have all this freedom. First day of class, you get the syllabus and you're like, oh, great, I'm gonna have to study now. Like, what is studying? What does this mean? Um, and so you're, you're like going to Walmart. You've never had to buy school supplies before. And you're like, okay, I probably need some like note cards. And so you're going like, I think these are good. And what is a college-ruled notebook? I don't even know if y'all use those anymore. But back in my day, I find that. And you, of course, you get home and you're like trying to use the note cards and you're like, which side do I write on? Like the blank side or the side with the lines? And I don't even know what I'm doing. And so I just, I just pick something. I, I figure out you're supposed to put the main word on the blank side and the, and the description on the back. And so I was totally helpless. And lots of other things like you're supposed to kind of, in college, you're supposed to know what you wanna do apparently like after college. Everyone's asking, so what you gonna do? What you gonna do? It's like, I don't know, man, just chill, all right? Um, I ask you that sometimes because I wanna get to know you, but you have every right to tell me to chill. Um, and then it's like, apparently after your third year, you're like, you're supposed to be married, apparently. Um, and so that, that gets super complicated too. Like, I didn't know that going into college. And so something I looked forward to, thought was gonna be easy and great. Like, turns out like, this is actually super challenging. Like, this is actually way more complex than I thought it would be. Something really sweet in my life right now. I mean, like getting married, like being in a relationship first, like my wife and I dated, then got engaged and then married, like beautiful, amazing things in marriage. Like we could talk about that all day to your annoyance. But what you should know is for all the beautiful, amazing things that I love my wife, beautiful, godly woman, like actually getting in a relationship and getting into a marriage, I wouldn't use the word that 
easier. I, didn't, I wouldn't say it made life easier. Actually, what it does is you, put, you have two sinners that say, I do, and then just all sorts of fun happens from there. Um, and mainly it's my fault, um, honestly. And I, I find out um, how, things like how selfish I am and, and that I uh, really like to spend money whenever I would like to and don't want to talk about it and, and things like that. And so, man, I just... As much as all the like, amazing things that I can talk about in my marriage, I, I wouldn't even say, even in that, as great as it is, I wouldn't use the word easier. And then now I have a, a child, a little baby Eleanor. She's about to be 11 months old, going to be a year in May, and such an amazing thing being a dad. But it wasn't, and, and I, I would have thought maybe, man, like when I have a kid, like we're, we're making it, we're just cruising, life is going, but I would not use the word easy. <laughs> It's not easy raising a kid. Even the past two nights in a row, homegirl has decided she, she's gonna wake up at 3 a.m. and just cry for about an hour. You know what I mean? It's like, dang, like I'm already tired. I'm even more tired. But of course, when you, when you, if y'all have seen her, you see her face, she smiles at you. It's all good. It's all good. Um, I don't know if you caught on, but basically what I just walked you through is kind of a predictable progression of what, a good chunk of you are going to go through and just, man, when I get here, when I get here, it's gonna be easier, gonna be better. And I wanna, tra- I wanna translate, because a lot of you are gonna go through those same life seasons. And I wanna translate the concept of feeling on the back end like, man, whenever this happens, it's gonna be, whenever this certain thing happens, it's gonna be easier. I wanna translate that into our series. And, and I, I wonder how many of you, um, no matter where you came from, kind of, kind of thought, man, whenever I believe in Jesus, whenever I start following him, whenever I become a Christian, my life is going to get so much better, like things are just going to start to make sense and smoother and, and easier. And you know what I would say, all for, except the last word, I would affirm that your life does get better. When you believe in Jesus Christ, the best thing that could literally ever happen to you has happened. Amen. You have been saved for eternity from your sin. You become a son or a daughter of God. And, and my goodness, like, you're going to spend eternity with our creator, with our king, with our Lord. Like, that's, you present anything to me, like, free iPhones everywhere. Like, no, that's pretty good news. But, like, the best news ever is the gospel. Amen? And so that's, you're so right. Life is going to change. You're going to be transformed. You're going to enter into something for the rest of your life called sanctification or where you mature and you become more like Christ. And it's, it's an amazing, like not using the name of our journey, but kind of using the name, like the journey, right? Using the name of our ministry. It is a journey of walking with Christ and it's incredible. It's the best that life has to offer. You are the best version of yourself when you're following Jesus. So I would absolutely believe that. But you know one word I wouldn't use? I wouldn't say it's easy. And, I, and I'm going through week one, two, three, and I'm kind of looking out. And I'm just kind of looking out, seeing how you're receiving this. And I'm by no means a mind reader. Oh, that, that would be cool. But I do think in somewhat I can, I can read the room, especially with how certain words of Jesus land. And, and I can, in reading the room, I kind of get this sense of like, man, a lot of you are like, if you'd be honest, you'd admit it's not only that following Jesus is not easy, you may even say that it's actually harder. <laughs> that after you started following Jesus, life 
with all the sweetness that comes with following Jesus and being saved, the greatest thing that ever happened to us actually got much more complex, actually got harder. Because what you've discovered is that when you follow Jesus and the changes that he's doing at your, in your heart is that you can't live in the way that you once lived. You tracking with me? Like all of a sudden, guys and girls, you can't pursue relationships just to parasitically suck whatever you want out of that relationship and get whatever you want from them and then abandon them and leave and ghost them because you, you, you know that type of relationship doesn't glorify God. Like some of you um, have a, a lifestyle. You came to um, tech and like, I heard tech was a party school and it's like, oh yeah, let's go. And maybe sometime recently you uh, converted to Christianity, you started following Jesus and you're, and you're realizing like, hey, that wasn't probably the best lifestyle. That's probably not the lifestyle that's congruent with actually following Jesus. He actually calls me higher than that. There's some things that you used to look at on your phone or on your computer that now that you're following Jesus, even though you may still struggle a little bit, you know that's not congruent with a life of being wholeheartedly devoted to him. Are you tracking with me? And when there's things that happen as you start to read scripture, as you become a Christian and you hear things taught in the Bible that are like, uh-oh, I don't believe that. And all of a sudden, you're, you're, in a, you're in a place where like, you know, if I wanna follow Jesus, I'm gonna use a real Bible instead of my hands. Come on, Cole, get with the program. All right, use a real Bible. You read things. There's nothing here. That would be really cool if there was something here. No, it's something in Ezekiel. But you start to read things. Ezekiel's good too, but it's really good actually. But you, you start to read things and you're like, oh man, that, this and the way I've thought and the way I've lived contradict. And you know that if you're going to follow King Jesus, you're going to follow our Lord Jesus, that you need to follow his word. Amen? And heed to his word. So as I look out in the room, can I tell you something that I hope is very affirming for you? Without a doubt, I would agree, I would argue, I would die on the hill of saying that when you do decide to follow Jesus, that life does get harder. Overall, down that hill. Because it is a daily decision every single day to live a life with an open Bible and just saying, hey, I, all right, God, <laughs> wow. You mean I can't even look people judgmentally? It's not just saying it, like I can't even look at people? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> if you wanna follow Jesus, yeah, it's gonna be hard. And so if all that's true, how do Jesus' followers deal with that reality? How do Jesus' followers who have been forgiven of their sin, who've had the greatest thing happen to them, deal with the reality that we still sin, we still struggle? How do Jesus' followers deal with the reality? Some of you in this room right now, if you're to be honest, it's easier to sit comfortably in our green, out-of-date, cushy, comfy chairs and then come and go as you please. It's easier to do that than to actually leave here and go follow Jesus. Like, how are you to deal with that reality? How are you to deal with the fact that our Lord has called us into something that is hard? And you're thinking, how do I deal with the fact that, man, there's so many things left that God has to work with on me. There's so many things that sometimes make me doubt, am I the real deal? There's so many things. Man, this is hard. How do we deal with that? Cars on the table, following Jesus is hard. 
brothers and sisters in Christ, those that are curious here, those that are on the outskirts kind of looking in, trying to fill out Christianity, let's jump into that question tonight. So what I want you to do is I want you to go with John chapter three, verse 16. A lot of you know this, a lot of you can quote it. John chapter three, verse 16. How many of you can quote it? Top of your hand? Yeah, quite a bit. Just say it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life or eternal life, whichever version you're, you're doing. I'm like a combination of like NIV, CSB, ESP. It's, it's a mess, guys. But we get it. Believe in Jesus, you're saved, eternal life, right? Now, not minimizing that verse, very good verse. All of us know it. Now, I want you to go over to Ephesians chapter two, verses four through nine. Ephesians chapter two, verses four through nine. We were in this passage just a few weeks ago, but again, how do we deal with the fact that even though we're saved, following Jesus is hard. There's still remaining sin. We're struggling. Ephesians chapter two, verse four. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us. Does anybody have this memorized? I'll let you say it. I don't think so. It's kind of longer. All right. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works. So that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Friends, how do we deal with the reality that following Jesus is hard and we still sin even though he saved us? We remember and truly believe the gospel. Amen? Like what we just read, yeah, John three sixteen. got it, nailing it, cool. Go and live it every day. That's an entirely different thing, isn't it? Really believing this, that no matter where you're at tonight, you may be a teeny tiny baby Christian in your faith. I'm not, I'm not demeaning you as a person. I'm just saying you just may be really young in your faith. Maybe you follow Jesus for quite a while or you're anywhere in between. The reality is, is that if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, what is in verse four of chapter two in Ephesians, the greatest conjunction in all of the history of humanity, but God being rich in mercy, what did he do? Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive. He saved us, friends. He saved you. We're sitting here looking, looking at ourselves. I follow Jesus' heart and me, 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 me. But scripture says not you or me, but God. Do you see that? But God, no, look at God. Look at what he's doing. One of the most incredible things that I've ever seen a father do outside of my own parents who I believe took care of me really well. But one of the things I've seen a father do um, that this has just blown my mind is my father-in-law, uh, Glenn Harrison, who's Caitlin's uh, father, when they were children, I think every opportunity, maybe before they went to bed at night, uh, before they went off to school, I think when they got older, as they were going off to college, as they were coming back home and then leaving again for college, and even now when they come visit us or we come visit them, every time they depart from his presence, he tells them, Remember who you are. 
Simple words, remember who you are. And I think as they were kids, what he was really getting at, hey, is remember, you are my daughter, you are my son, and I love you, and your mom loves you. We're for you. And I think as they grew up, Caitlin, for example, is a believer in Christ. She's a follower of Jesus. Otherwise, we wouldn't be married, right? And so, my goodness, it's so much more true. Remember who you are. Not only are you my daughter, not only do you have an earthly father who loves you, but your heavenly father calls you daughter and son. He just says, remember who you are. And every time, I don't, I've never told him this. Uh, sometimes they listen to this sermon, so he'll just get puffed up then. But every time I hear this, Especially now that I'm a dad, I just sit back and I kind of get choked up as they leave our house. And he just says, remember who you are. And I'm like, man, I want to be a dad like that someday, one. And two, friends, do, do you remember who you are? When you're going to bed at night, when you're waking up in the morning, when you're going out, when you're coming in. In Christ, you are sons and daughters of God. And I don't know about you, but if I would do a better job at remembering that, I think the fact that following Jesus is hard doesn't make it easier, but it's like, all right, following Jesus is hard, but I'm a son of God. Sisters in the room, following Jesus is hard, but, but I'm a daughter of God. He calls me his own. Following Jesus is hard, but Psalm 139 says that he calls me fearfully and wonderfully made, that he has plans for me that are already written out. Ephesians 2.10, he's gone before me. He has my life written together in this beautiful book, which he's gonna work redemption in and out when I'm following him, when I'm not in my sin and my obedience. And he's gonna work this beautiful piece of redemption all the way into glory. That's what it means. So I ask you, do you remember who you are? How do we deal with following Jesus? We truly Truly believe the gospel. All right, y'all ready for something new? Not something new, a different passage. Let's go to Romans chapter seven. Romans chapter seven. The book of Romans accomplishes a lot of things, but I think if you wanna get solid on answering the question, what is the gospel, and, and then what does that mean for my life? For the, what is the gospel? Read Romans 1 through 11. And what does that mean for my life? Read 12 to the end of the book because it's, it's a really good explanation of that. But what Paul is saying in chapter seven and what he's really getting at is the reality that we've already kind of, I think, agreed on is that we are Christians, God has saved us, but yet there still remains sin in our life. And there's some debate upon how much sin or how present it should be in our lives. But I think the reality is that we can kind of believe is that even though you're a Christian, it doesn't mean you never sin again, right? And so that's how I choose to read the, the, this text. And he says in verse 15, for I do not understand my own actions. Like homeboy's saying like, I don't even understand what I'm doing. Like, this is crazy. Why, why am I doing this? He says, for I do not do what I want but I do the very thing that I hate. I don't understand what I'm doing. Like, I actually hate these things. When I sin, I hate it, but I'm doing it anyway. Verse 18, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Verse 19, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it's a mouthful, guys, sorry about that. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Pretty complex passage. Let me give you a simple little, like, let's just hit a like double. I don't wanna hit a home run tonight on this passage, but let me hit a double for you, all right? 
what he's saying, there's present sin in my life. He has this desire to not sin. He actually hates a lot of the sin that he commits. But he's saying, because there's still present sin in his life, nonetheless, he sins, right? Very repetitive. He's not making an excuse. Well, it's just me. He's saying, I'm doing the things that I hate. I have indwelling sin. It's really hard. It's a wrestle. And then when you get into Romans 8, which we don't have time, he talks about life in the Spirit. So what we're, what we're going to get to in Galatians 5 in just a second is that the Holy Spirit is key here. But what I want you to see is an affirmation. If the Apostle Paul still has remaining sin, everyone in this room, including me and you, probably still have remaining sin. Is that fair to say? Fair to say? Okay, good. Now, uh, bookmark just in your, in your Bible reading this week, Romans 8. It's really good, really helpful on this topic. I want you to go over to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. If you are new to reading the Bible, um, I would recommend getting out your phone, searching this really quick. Um, and I would love for you to share that with your Connect group leader. And we can talk with you about how to flip to all these different uh, verses and things because we're going to be flying tonight. But in verse 16 of chapter 5, Paul is talking about a concept of keeping in step with the Spirit. <clears throat> he says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. So he's saying, Basically, here's some sins, here's some things that are in, indicative that you are not walking in the Spirit. Y'all still with me? Still with me? Lots of scripture. We're going somewhere, I promise. Works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Got any witches in here tonight? Just joking. <laughs> Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit. So this is what it looks like if we're walking in the Spirit. is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. What Paul's getting at is for a Christian, for a Christ follower, there should be an overwhelming degree of fruitfulness in your life that doesn't look like rotten fruit of sin, but a consistent yielding of the fruit of the spirit, of, of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and, and self-control. That's what you should be seeing on a consistent basis in your life, though there tends to be remaining sin. And what is the key that unlocks us to make it possible? I hate to impersonalize that. It is a person. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul gets at in Romans 8. That's what he's getting at here. All this sin that you're dealing with, Oh my goodness, I do the very things that I hate. The key to it is walking in the Spirit. Okay, I got you. I'm not gonna ask you to turn there, but then he's, he's talking about the flesh versus the Spirit. And then you read in 1 Peter 2 that the flesh, the passions of the flesh are doing what? It says that they're waging war against your soul. So it's not like a peewee football game where it's this team versus this team. It is a war that Paul's talking about. He's saying, guys, this is intense. This is flesh versus spirit, like flesh is out to get you. So Christians, how do we deal with the fact that following Jesus is hard, that there's remaining sin? First, we need to awaken to the war, and then we need to choose our weapons wisely. 
We need to awaken to the war and see that scripture doesn't talk about sin. Like, ha, ha, that's cute. It says, no, it's coming for your soul. It's gonna destroy you. You think it's little, you think it's fine. You think it's just, oh, just one more slip up. And you can believe that all day, but you are believing something that Jesus is like, hey, brother, that ain't true. Hey, sister, that ain't true. And I don't want you to be there, so I wanna invite you in to think biblically tonight. It's saying, hey, these things that we try to minimize, you're playing it cool. You're, you're asleep right now. Satan's playing a little lullaby to make you sleepy in your faith. But there is a war going on, and Paul's like, wake up. Wake up, brothers and sisters. There's a, there's a war going on. This isn't fun and games. This isn't podcast Christianity. Like, this is the real deal. Like, you're in it right now, every single one of you. So wake up to the war. And guess what? He's not just saying wake up to the war, friends. Check this out. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. You're like, man, this brother's going to lots of scripture tonight. Our fingers are tired. All right? Y'all can write this down. It would be awesome if you wrote down some of the scripture we're in. So Hebrews 4, 12. Remember I said we need to awaken to the war. We need to choose our weapons wisely. Check this out. For the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow. Oh, look at this. Discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. By the way, if you read naked and you're like, I don't want anything making me naked. It's not talking about that, all right? It's talking about all of you, everything that you are. What the word of God does is it exposes that. And so a lot of you like to talk about reading scripture. The reality is when you open the word, God's word reads us. It can see every little thing in us. It can expose all those sins. And a lot of us, when we, the reason why you're not growing in your faith is you keep your Bible shut your whole life. And God is saying, I love you and I've gifted you. Not all oh, I told you, well, you better wake up. He's gifted you with the weapon of what's to use to fight that war. And guys, I, I, I love you, but some of you don't use the weapon of God's word. You use a weapon that you can hold in a horizontal form that has buttons on it. You just do this for hours and you tune out. This is your primary weapon that you use. And you just tune out and pretend like all those things are going on. There's not a word going on. And some of you girls do this too, but, but girls, some guys, I think you do this, a little thing called Instagram or social media, whatever, and, and you just, your main weapon is just, scrolling and stories and duck faces or whatever you do, whatever, getting all viewed up, and then you see someone else wearing something. Before you know it, you're on Amazon and you're buying that same dress too or something looks similar, and you take a picture, you see someone looks better, you kind of go to the bathroom, kind of get some makeup on, come back, take another thing, and before you know it, you got like 50 stories, and, and one day it's just all this self-consumption. Guys, again, you're back here just living in your own little world. So many other things I could talk about. <laughs> and God's like... Hello, you know, <laughs> hello, <laughs> I come to you. He doesn't talk like that. <laughs> Just getting your attention. <laughs> Go so many places with that. Focus, whoosh, focus. All right. He's giving us this, friends. He's giving us his word. He says, man, you're, you're struggling in your sin. There's a war going on between flesh and spirit. How do you walk in the spirit? You open up the word through which the spirit of God inspired human authors 
to write the very words of God to the glory of God that we might be edified to our own obedience to God. Mm. Friends, you gotta remember the gospel and you gotta truly believe it. And you've gotta awaken to the war and you've gotta choose your weapons wisely. And God has simplified it. He's made it so easy. He said, I'm putting my spirit in you and he's gonna yield in you a strong desire, the things that glorify me and I've given you my word. And what you're gonna do for the rest of your life is you're not gonna pretend like there's not a war. You're not gonna pretend like this is a cushy little life. But what you're gonna do for the rest of your life is you're gonna take that sword, you're gonna slash Satan's legs and as he's falling down, you're gonna punch him in the face. (laughs) That's what he calls us to. And every single one of you, if you have the spirit of God, aka you're a Christian, you have access to that, amen? If you've been in my sermon series much this spring, I'm apparently really attracted to the fact of punching Satan in the face, okay? I'm hoping I get to do it one day. It's not about that, it's okay if it doesn't happen, all right? But guys, we are called not only, like, oh, poor little Christian, it was so weak. No, he's called us to power. I'm not talking about health and wealth gospel, I'm talking about the power to live for his glory in a way that glorifies him. got to truly believe the gospel. We've got to awaken to the war and we've got to choose our weapons wisely. I want you guys to turn to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Matthew 11, verse 28. It's words of Jesus to his followers. They know by this point, hey, we're following Jesus may require some things, may require some chains. This guy's a pretty radical dude. And in the middle of just <laughs> a, a lot of challenging things that he continues to say to his followers and people that are challenging him, he says these words in verse 28 of Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And and so, friends, you gotta remember the gospel. Awaken to the war and choose your weapons wisely. But the same Jesus who challenges us knows the reality that we can get weary in the battle. You feeling me? The Jesus who actually, just a little fun note to remember, the war has already been won, right? But Satan likes those little skirmishes because he's a bad word that we can't say in church, okay? (laughs) And Jesus knows, (laughs) Following Jesus is so hard. Like, I, I'm so tired. Like, every single day I just mess up. Like, I can't even get one day, I can't even get one hour. And he's like, Come to me. Come to me. You're weary, you're heavy laden, overwhelmed with sin. You know what he's talking to? He's talking to people who see the Old Testament law, the Torah, and they're like looking at it and saying, I can't do that. And then what the religious leaders did is they added even more to that. That's what the, ver- the, the reference to yoke, oxen would carry yoke. Sometimes they'd be heavy, sometimes they'd be light or whatever. And the yoke of the law was too heavy. It would be like crushing them underneath that weight. And Jesus is saying, to take that off. My yoke is easy. And you know why? Because underneath the yoke, two oxen are walking. And what Jesus does is he walks alongside us and he gets underneath the other side of that yoke and carries all the weight for us. He just says, walk with me. 
It's like, I'm calling you to follow me, but in our reality, you're walking and you're limping and I'm carrying all this weight and I've got my hand underneath you as we're going. Because I know you're weary. He knows we're weary. He knows us so well. He knows that we're thinking it would be so much easier just to stop following him today because this is hard. And because he knows us so well, even though he doesn't have to do this, he says, I hear you, I see you. Would you just come to me? Would you just have a posture? See how it says, come to me and find rest? When we read the rest of the story, what we know is that he's calling us, his disciples, already in anticipatory action to rest in his finished work on the cross. He's saying, I'm about to pay it all. I'm about to be hanging on a bloody cross, beaten after the 39 lashes. I've carried up my cross. Thanks to Simon and Siren for helping me get it up, but it was still pretty bad. I'm, I'm nailed to the cross. I'm bloody and I'm beaten. And he says in his dying breaths, to tell us die, it is finished. It is done. We owed him a debt that we could not pay. He paid a debt that we could never owe properly to him. He, I mean, he paid it all. We sing that all the time, don't we, friends? He's saying, come to me, and in your remembering the gospel and truly believing it, in your posture of being awakened, like, I see that there's a war going on, and as you're opening up his sword, his word, and, and using it in that battle and allowing it to read you, and man, you're, you're taking on things like, no, I'm, I'm going to fight to the glory of God, this battle, and whatever this looks like. He's saying, and all that, don't forget to have a posture of rest. And remember, when you lose those battles, then you need to come back to me, wounded and beaten, that the war has been won. And I want you to rest in my finished work on the cross. I talk about slashing Satan and punching him in the face. Like, yeah, yeah, Jesus did that a long time ago. It was a crushing blow. It was a crushing blow. I think what happens the things I'm talking about, and I'm, I'm getting a whole different read to the room, so glory to God for that, is that we, we know all these things, and we hear them, and we're reminded, and we're like, oh, man, this is good. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, I, I will come to you. Man, I, uh, I grew up, I'm gonna ask the band to come forward. Um, I, I grew up as a, as a church kid. I'd like to share with you some, some of my background. I grew up as a church kid, um, my biological dad and mom got divorced at a really young age, um, very early on, who I call daddy now, adopted me as his son, amazing father to me, beautiful story of redemption, maybe for another day. But I grew up in a Christian home, and um, my grandpa was a Baptist preacher. I spent some years living with him in between the divorce and my mom remarrying. And I remember him waking me up in the morning and um, I remember him waking me up in the morning, and uh, that, that old man loved his over-easy eggs. I tell you what, he'd be cooking them and frying them, and like he'd come in the bedroom where I was staying and kind of nudge me and wake me up. And I mean, I was just a little boy. He'd walk me in, he'd sit at the kitchen table, and he'd, he'd open up that word. I remember that vividly, and he'd just, he'd read it. Um, I don't know if he's, he probably was just having his quiet time, honestly, and, have his coffee and I'd eat with him and just sit there. And I saw that from an early age and I knew this is what men of God and women of God do. And you know what happened? I was probably three or four then. 
for years. I went the rest of my life, accepted Christ at the age of six. My grandpa led me in that decision. I remember very vividly on his back porch of patio area. It was a beautiful time, but I, I, I knew the gospel, knew all those things. But you know what I did with his word? Like I, just, I just closed it. I just, I just closed it for years. I walked through my life. I was that model church kid. I led worship in the praise team. I was called to ministry. I did all the, the right things. But never just kept his word closed. And there were things that God was wanting to do. He was wanting me to open it and let it read me and change me. I just, I, I had no, to be honest with you, I, I, I believe as a Christian, but sometimes being a Christian and actively following Jesus are two different things. That's a dangerous distinction. I don't want you to get carried away with that. But I think following Jesus, I was kind of like walking through quicksand with Jesus, if that makes sense. And when I was 18, God did something in my heart at a church camp in Estes Park, Colorado, <laughs> that would forever change me. Dealt with some sin that I've been dealing with for a long time. Dealt with some things. And something that he did in my heart, all I knew, like the one thing I can simplify is that all I knew is that this book has done something this week. What we're talking about is the gift of the sword of, of, of God this, that, he, that says it, it pierces the soul. It did that that week. And all I knew is that, hey, there's nothing magical in this book, but God speaks to me through it. And so I dove into it every single day. I wasn't like reading the gospel. I was just reading the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, like things that we don't think are exciting. But God was even using that to transform me. And that set me in a season of life from 18 to 24, where the things that God had wanted to do in my life for years, but couldn't because I kept this book closed, he, I finally opened it. He began to show me so many things in my life that he wanted to, to change. He began giving me a heart, not for, not for Cole's glory, but for his glory. He began to prepare me to be a husband, prepare me to be a father. He began to really shape in me a heart that truly loves people and not my own glory. I mean, I could just go on and on about all the beautiful things that he did. And what he was teaching me to do, friends, is to follow him and really the, what I like to call the thin places, to, to follow him in the times. That, honestly, it's, it's things that everybody goes through. <laughs> like it's things that every Christian need to walk, walk through. Going to college, finding a job, um, thinking about marriage, thinking about kids, like thinking about growing in your job, growing in your faith, like all those things. He was shaping in me a heart that more and more and more as I, as I grew truly believed the gospel, was awakened to the reality of the war at hand and said, hey, I've shown you the past five, six years that this actually does what it says it will do. Amen? Like when you read it and open it, I'm gonna speak to you through it. It's gonna be living and active. And when you fail, and even when you don't, every single day, I want you to run to Jesus. So what do we do? That come to me passage, it was saying all day, every day, run to Jesus and rest in him. And what he did, friends, in setting me up for that and reading me and not me just reading him, reading me and changing me and forming me is he set me up to follow him in a way that I could have never imagined and called me and my wife to go to East Asia for two years 
in an incredibly hard and difficult place. And I was only there for a day. And I knew just after one day, this is going to be so hard. Following Jesus is so hard. Like, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. But because of what he was doing in my heart from age 18 to 24, that very next morning, you want to know what I did? I sat down at this little tiny East Asian desk that could barely fit my big old body. <laughs> I sat down and I laid this book and just opened the word and just said, God, this is so hard. I can't do this. And I'm coming to you. God, you've, you've called me to something that obviously is way harder than I could ever imagine. Besides, why did you do that, God? Like, you've been working on me. You still want to work on me? Like, can't we just take a break? It's like, no. <laughs> But you believe in the gospel, you're awakened to the war, you have your sword, and you're doing the very thing that you should be doing every day, and you're coming to me. And what God did in a very amazing, beautiful season is he proved that he was faithful. Called me to something impossibly hard, and yet, man, he did it. <laughs> he sustained me, he did amazing things. It has nothing to do with Cole Rose or Caitlin Rose and everything to do with him. Saved people who would have never heard the gospel otherwise to the glory of God. What is your East Asia? What has God been wanting to call you into for years, but you've kept this book closed and not opened it and allowed him to transform you and work in your life? What has been your posture? Has your posture been a posture of rest in the finished work of Christ, or has it been a posture of busyness and distraction with Christianese type things that actually have nothing to do with Jesus? Has your life been a posture of being reality of the war at hand and taking that seriously? Have you actually believed in the gospel? Do you remember it daily? The Jesus of the Bible who calls us and says, follow me, take it for a cross, deny yourself, some hard things, is ever present, even active right now, telling everyone in this room to come to him and find rest for your souls. Will you follow him? I don't mean like, eh, kind of like, I mean, friends, will you follow him? Will you come to him tonight? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for its power, for its beauty and its glory. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for awakening us to the war at hand with our flesh versus our spirit and our sinful nature. And thank you for giving us an, an instrument for the battle. Thank you for giving us a weapon that we can use, Lord, not only to follow you, but to take in scripture and memorize it and quote it when we're tempted and, and, and to teach us more about you and about who you are and who we are. And God, a lot of people in this room are tired, exhausted. It's not that they don't want to follow you as much as it's just so hard they can barely get up the strength to do it. There's some people in this room who have never believed in you. They live a life of just weariness and loss of hope. And they need you tonight, Lord. And so I pray that you would draw them in with your words, come to me. And that tonight would be the night that they would find rest for their souls in you. In the fact that you died for our sins, 
that, the death that we should have deserved and you rose from the dead, defeating sin for all eternity and that we, by believing you, become sons and daughters of God, forgiven of our sin and our promise to spend eternity with you forever. Oh God, the gospel is good and beautiful. I pray that we would rest in that finished work tonight in accordance with coming to you, following you. Thank you so much, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We hope you are encouraged by today's podcast. If you'd like to learn more about The Journey, check us out on Instagram or Facebook at The Journey LBK. Thanks for listening.